0: Hey, that's how we... Stop
1: it, you... (laughs) (laughs) you.
0: (laughs) (laughs) The wheels are off. Travel back in time to the
1: 80s. Reliving the advice. Carpe diem. Seize the day. The comebacks.
2: Why don't you take a picture? It'll last longer. Uh
1: -uh. And the technology.
2: Are you telling me you built a time machine? Out of a DeLorean?
1: Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s.
2: Can you say stuck in the 80s?
3: Hey, hey, welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your buddies, Steve Spears. And B-Rad. And today we invite a mess of friends over to talk about midnight movies in the 80s.
2: Uh-oh. Uh, I'm rambling. I think I better tell my readers right now that, uh, I'm no longer responsible for anything that I write from this point on, uh.
3: As always, we are happy to announce that Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Podcast Network. You can find our show on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and the CLNS Media Mobile App.
0: Brad, uh, introduce our friends. Oh, today we are joined by Just Jen and Drew with One W. (laughs) Hey. Good morning, everybody.
3: (laughs) Sup, dogs.
4: Or or midnight, if that's when you're listening.
3: Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Do so you like the that segue? That's a good segue, yeah, right? It's a great segue. Here's this is totally Jen's show. This was her idea. She said, "Why don't we do midnight movies?" And we're all like, "Okay, it sounds great." And then we we all start talking about it. And Then people we're people like, well, "Are these midnight movies or are these cult classics?" I think so, they're uh,
1: adult
0: films. Wait, mm-hmm. no,
1: wait, wait no. <laughs> no. That's probably wrong.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's for yeah, that's for the '80s After Dark podcast. We do. <laughs>
3: Well, let's go back in time, but in the in the eighties, at least down here in Florida, AMC theaters had midnight movie classics every Saturday night. You would go around midnight, and they would have uh, like two or three movies that were playing that you could watch. And I was at that age where maybe I was allowed to go once a month or once every other month to a midnight movie. I was given that trust. Yeah, And um, the only thing I used to remember Was like the first 20 or 30 minutes of the movie Then I would fall asleep for the rest <laughs>
4: So Aww, that's so cute
3: <laughs> I, I have seen the first 20-25 minutes of Spinal Tap Maybe a hundred times <laughs>
0: And it's like it, when you see it It puts you to sleep
3: because it, it's Yeah like, it does yeah. and they all die in the end right But um, yeah, yeah it's so, a very fiery crash so so the idea here is that we're going to honor some movies today that um they're cult classics so they would be appropriate to be shown at midnight. And maybe we did at when we were youngers, youngsters, maybe we did watch them at midnight at home on on the old VHS. Um Yeah. I, so I should that.
0: say the one the one movie that you're all thinking, "Oh, of course they're going to talk about
3: Deet.
0: No. We're not talking about Rocky Horror. No. I will say well, this. What though. year is My- that? Rocky Horror, I don't know, but it was on midnight. It was on at midnight at the local movies here in, in, yeah, as it was here, you know, all the time. But that's too, you know, we don't need to talk about that. You know about that.
1: Well, I'm just going to say this really quick. But my parents actually took my sister and her uh, cheerleading squad when they were juniors in high school to Rocky Horror Picture Show. Is like a, you know, like the squad kind of did that thing. So they took me along as well because I mean, why not? Bodyguard. I, I was a freshman when I saw Rocky Horror Picture Show.
3: Wow, that's disturbing.
4: Can I weigh in on the midnight movie versus cult classic? Sure. Here, yes. so I feel like for me, when I was in, living in the eighties, midnight movies because I was a little, little bit younger, I, it was like a slumber party staple. You know, so like we got uh-huh. one or two movies that were whatever on Ed Tower. Video like on the shelf that was you know off the wall or whatever, and then have s- some of them, not all of them, have since become cult classics,
0: right? Or that's like, how, developed that's, a
4: following, or something right? Like.
0: That's where their yeah, that's where their following came from. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I think that that's a, a pretty apt description because a lot of these things I never saw. I've never seen my movie in the theater. I've seen it on TV a billion times. Right. I've never seen it in an, an actual movie theater.
4: Right, and, and now that I'm an old person, like Steve, I, I can't stay up till midnight. So. <laughs> so I watch cult classics now.
3: Yeah, but we watch them at 8 p.m. That's exactly. I mean. Sleepy, sleepy.
2: Dinner at 4.30. Tonight.
3: So, hey, before uh, everyone grabs their popcorn and their 96-ounce uh, cup of Coke to use with the rum that you smuggled into the movie theater for this week's show, uh, we wanted to give a quick call out to HelloFresh, one of our sponsors, and the meal delivery service that brings healthy and quick meals right to your door. I've been eating HelloFresh for about three months now. And, you know, it's made a big difference. HelloFresh has two full-time dietitians on staff that make sure everything you get in your box is balanced and healthy. And each meal is now priced at under $10. Seriously, you're not going to get any better for less with any other plan. And as I mentioned last week, even my doctor was asking how my health turned around, and I told him all about HelloFresh. And you guys, my podcast co-hosts, even joke that me being happier these days is because of the vegetables. And that's true. <laughs> anyway, you can order HelloFresh and save $30 off your first order. Just use the promo code radical 30 just go to hellofresh.com sign up and use radical 30 when it asks for a promo code if you have any questions you want to know what's on this week's menu here at the spears Lair. just email me at steve at sit80s.com drew my friend you are first up because i love your movie perhaps more than any other movie on today's list what movie <laughs> are you repping for uh, midnight movie versus uh, cult classic Well, like
1: Brad said, this is not something I saw in theaters, but my movie is heavy metal.
2: You are okay to land this thing? No problem, man. I think you're going a little high, man.
0: It's okay, man. If there's one thing I know, it's how to drive when I'm stoned. It's like you know your perspective's fucked, so you just gotta let your hands work the controls
3: as if you're straight
2: oh wow good landing man
1: heavy metal was released in 1981 and for those who haven't seen it it's actually an animated film and it's kind of like seven or eight maybe even nine little like Animated vignettes, and they're all held together loosely by the story of this glowing orb called the Lochnar, and it's showing this young girl who um, who's been trapped in the house with it, uh, how it's changed the course of events both on Earth and in other universes, and it ends with the story of a female warrior who's avenging the death of a race she was supposed to protect. This warrior dies, but it turns out—spoilers—you uh, <sighs> know you haven't seen it since 1981. <laughs> That this little girl is, that the Lockner is threatening is the rebirth of the warrior maiden, and she uh-huh. escapes and becomes a protector, new protector of the galaxy. There's lots of nudity. Yes. There's graphic sex. There's yes. tons of drug use. Mm, and great soundtrack. Exactly, it has a fantastic Devo. soundtrack. Uh, Devo's in it. Blue Oyster Cult. Cheap Trick. Nazareth. There's actually two lead songs. There's uh, or two title songs. There's heavy metal. By Sammy Hagar, which you already played, and also heavy metal "Taken a Ride" by Don Felder. Um, there's also tons of great voices that, that include many of the Second City stars like John Candy, yeah. Harold Ramis. Um, you know, just great stuff. It grossed about 20 million in its opening weekend. Wow! So, or not opening weekend? I'm sorry, over the life of its run. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's, yeah, good. For opening that's amazing. In the it, day. Day. it was amazing. Yeah. It wasn't that over the over yeah. its run. Now. Like I said, I didn't see this in theaters. I didn't see it uh, until I was a sophomore in high school in probably about 1983. And I saw it in high school, in class. Oh, you're kidding.
4: (laughs) What class?
1: (laughs) Well, see, here's
0: the thing. The decline of Western civilization.
1: (laughs) I was in yearbook. And if you ever did that, you remember, you know, like the yearbook has to come out in, in May. So you had to send the pages to the publisher by like March.
3: Yeah. So we had okay. sent all
1: the pages to the publisher and we had nothing to do for like the last month of school. So my teacher, this guy, Mr. McDermott, he decided to show us a bootleg VHS copy of oh the film gosh. that he had. Oh, that's great. And since it was VHS, when it would come to scenes that had sex, he would just like fast forward through it. But he would stop it, hit fast forward <laughs> and then stop it and play. So, of course, he didn't know where he was. And so we saw all the sex anyway because he wouldn't <laughs> go far enough. And uh, he and then uh,
0: yeah, yeah, and then go far point, enough, and then they would go too far.
1: Yeah, exactly. And then at one point, we he he totally forgot to start to skip forward on stuff. So like, there's a sex scene where a girl has he a forgot. sex scene with a robot. Well, he just got into the movie, and you know what? I'm not sure if he wasn't high when he showed it to us.
4: Drew, Drew, I'm sure he was.
1: I'm pretty sure he was. So I ended up seeing the entire film. Uh, yeah, in my. Uh, Yearbook class. That's
0: awesome. Yeah, I didn't see this movie for until it was out on VHS. I remember when it came out in the theaters, and I remember talking to adults in my life saying, hey, I really want to see this movie. You should take me to go see this movie. And they're like, no, <laughs> no, hard no, hard no.
3: <laughs> That's great. I, when, when Jen first came up with the idea for this show topic, the first thing I did was I went out and bought uh, heavy metal on DVD. And the Ooh. day it came here, I slammed it on and watched it again. And I was, it, it is It is something to see. That's all I can say. (laughs) It's not necessarily good. Uh, No, but it's it's (laughs) demo. Right, right, right. It was the robot chicken of its day. Yeah. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah.
0: Interesting, yeah.
4: I love that you watched it in yearbook class. That just makes it so much better.
0: (laughs) I'm just picturing it on like the 19-inch TV on the cart that's like six feet tall. Oh, yeah, exactly. How did you
1: know? That was exactly (laughs) what it was. (laughs) The big black scrap across the top of it. You had to borrow the cart from the library. so And I'm sure he didn't tell him what he was going to show us.
0: They didn't but, yeah. send the kid from the AV club down to set it up for you?
1: Well, actually, <laughs> the kid from the AV club was in the yearbook yeah. class. Let's be honest. He was of the photographer. Of course he was.
0: <laughs> yeah. And, and his the- was Drew with one W.
4: <laughs> I love those teachers in high school that would would do things that teachers really weren't supposed to do. And like unspoken, everybody in class was in cahoots. They were like... Oh, okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like that. I love those teachers so much. They were. It, de- it would never
3: happen today because you always have some flat earther who's in class who's going to rat you out. You know, and the next thing you know, it's all over the all over the internet. <laughs> <laughs>
1: yeah. Well, he's, yeah, I, miss- I also remember that teacher used to go outside all the time to smoke cloves. Mm-hmm. He had <laughs> cloves cigarettes. I mean, he just was an unusual guy. He was really oh, smart. He taught computer science and stuff. But yeah, he he
0: was also kind of out there. The the burnout. (laughs) Hey, man, why do the pictures have to be rectangles? Why can't they be squares
3: like all you people? Wow. No, he (laughs) never said that joke. Oh, geez. Hey, Brad, I'm going to deputize you to go second. What is the movie you're honoring Uh, this
0: week? My movie is none other than 1979's Rock and Roll High School.
2: Things sure have changed since we got kicked out of high school. Where are you going? am going to Miss McGree's class. Oh, well, I'm happy to see that some students still are interested in their studies.
0: Hey, we're not students, we're the Ramones.
2: Ramones? You're responsible for making that horrible rock and roll music? you turned the whole school Cream.
4: against
2: me. Do your parents know that you're Ramones?
0: So this is just your basic love rectangle. Girl chases boy, boy chases different girl, that girl chases the Ramones. <laughs> <laughs> all in a high school setting um uh, vince lombardi high school uh overseen by the new fascist anti-rock and roll principal uh evelyn togar yeah yeah
1: now i i sorry i have to ask this do you think there's really a high school called the vince lombardi high school oh sure i would
0: be I would surprised money if there on wasn't the one somewhere
1: okay i i just I loved that they named it that. I really did. I kind of wanted to go there. I'm like, that sounds awesome.
0: <laughs> yeah, I don't know where they actually filmed it, but yeah, it was it, there. that was the name in the school. Vince Lombardi High, yeah. So um, this is something I saw, again, like Jen, to your comment, this is something I saw late at night on Cinemax, or my friends and I all just thought this was a hilarious movie. But it's got PJ Souls, who would later be in Stripes, uh, Vince Van Patten, who mainly you remember now from the World Poker Tour. Uh, <laughs> I thought it was Kent from Real Genius when I saw the clip. Like, oh my god, that's yeah, a very similar look. Yeah. Yeah. He didn't. He had not stopped touching himself either. Clint Howard is Eagle Bauer who is the kind of the. Um, I don't even know how to describe this character. He's the entrepreneur of the school. He has is set up in the men's room and sells hall passes and, uh, you know, test scores and whatnot. But he has a central role in the in the, you know, trying to hook up. Vince Van Patten's character with P.J. Soul's character, and the principal actually probably the most interesting casting in this, other than the Ramones, who make the whole movie. The second half of the movie is basically a Ramones concert video. Is uh, the woman who plays the principal, Mary Warrenoff? She was a member of Andy Warhol's entourage. Oh wow! And was was in uh, a bunch of his films, and also then was in Death Race Two Thousand uh, and Eating Raul and. Much to my amazement, she's the mom in the Suicidal Tendencies Institutionalized video.
3: She, she's the one who won't get him a Pepsi? Yeah. And all he wants is a Pepsi? All he wants is a Pepsi. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, have Excellent. any of you guys, has, has anyone seen this movie other than me?
3: Oh, yeah. I rented it. Nope. Uh, oh, did you really? I at, yeah. I, well, I worked at a video store oh, called that's uh, right. Pick a Flick. And so the owner would encourage us to, you know, if you haven't seen one of these movies, you know, take it home tonight and sure. watch it. So, so you can talk, yeah. so yeah. talk about it. So you can talk about it. And sense. Um, he was slightly older than me. So, I mean, he had, you know, he would always be giving me these uh, 70s flicks and stuff to watch. So I've seen a lot of these. And uh, Rock and Roll High School, I did not know what to make of it. I mean, it just comes at you. I think it's hilarious. It's, but, yeah. It is funny, but it but it's just, at the same time, just completely off the wall you don't know what to make of it when you see it for the first time yeah
4: there was a time when it was on cable a lot so i've yeah. seen it but i've seen it like parts of it, it, it yeah. not in order but it doesn't really matter i think it's sort of it
3: doesn't really at <laughs> all yeah, well
0: so- and you get to the second half where they where they go to, you know the big they go to the concert and then it's just the ramones yeah yeah you know basically playing a set which in a way is kind of brilliant there's no way in western oklahoma i would have ever heard the ramones on the radio yeah no you know, I would have never been exposed to them. So
3: God, if you listen to satellite radio now, you it's all you get.
0: We didn't have actually, that back I, then, Spearsy.
3: Wasn't there a sequel to this, by the way, in the eighties?
0: There actually there was Rock and Roll High School Forever in the early nineties. Oh, okay. uh, which I've huh. not seen. And then they did a remake with I wanna say Corey Hart. Corey Ham is in that. Corey Corey Feldman. Feldman. and Corey, Corey Hart Feldman.
3: are two very different people.
0: Sorry, I'm <laughs> I'm running through the Coreys in my <laughs> mental Rolodex.
3: <laughs> it's Corey Feldman. I'm pretty Corey sure. Corey Feldman. Yeah, it's Corey it's Feldman. Awful. It's awful. It and is like unwatchable.
0: Is, is Stern Ugh. involved in that? Is Howard Stern involved in that? I never saw uh, it, but anyway. So yeah, it's, it's something they've come back to. But I, I just we thought it was hysterical. We quoted the lines all the time. Um, it's one of those movies that you know when you're a, a teenage boy, you keep like it keeps getting right up next to there being some nudity, but there's never actually any nudity. And like every time you watch it, you're like, this time I'm sure she's going to show something, you know. <laughs> She's wandering around in her bedroom in her underwear. I'm sure some, you know, this is going to happen this time. I must have just looked away at the wrong time. I was. Give her the Aunt Jemima treatment. Exactly. Yeah.
3: This is pre Aunt Jemima treatment. <laughs> That's, I mean, PJ Souls will always be, you know, stripes to me. So, yeah. yeah. And I th- I'm 99% sure I'd seen uh, stripes before I saw Rock and Roll High School. Probably. Probably. So it made it even stranger for me. Cool, man. So, okay, Jen, your turn. Rescue us with a truly cult classic.
4: Okay. So it, I'm, it's funny because I'm noticing a, a theme in our choices here. A lot of music. Music is the theme. So yeah. uh, last year we were doing a show and Brad brought up Repo Man, which reminded me of this movie, which is the only reason I kept bugging you guys to do this <laughs> uh, episode because I just want to tell more people about it because more people should see it. It's a movie called Ladies and Gentlemen, The Fabulous Stains and it's it's the 80s of 80s I mean but it but it's sort of the uh the underground 80s so it stars a very young very radiant Diane Lane she's like 15 maybe when she made this movie Oh my gosh um, yeah so she's. Oh,
1: now uh, I feel weird because I watched the trailer and I'm like, God, she is really hot. She's gorgeous. <laughs> she's,
4: she's gorgeous. She's all, she's still gorgeous. She'll always be gorgeous. But she's also got this like fire to her that is, that just makes her so much more appealing if that's possible. But, um, so Diane Lane, she plays Corinne Burns and she's a, a high school girl who lives in this going nowhere town, like a mill town that's dying. Her mom dies um, before the movie even starts, and she's just sort of going nowhere. She and her sister and cousin, who's played by a very young Laura Dern, um, they had this band called The Stains, and they barely know how to play their instruments or whatever. So they wind up through a series of events hooking up with this tour. And so it's two bands that they are... Tour, you know, quote touring with. It's uh, a band called the Metal Corpses, which is this sort of has been late 70s, I guess, kind of a metal band. But Fee Waybill from The Tubes actually plays the guy who's the. So he he actually does a nice. really good performance. Yeah. And then um, the other band is a band called The Looters, which is made up of the bassist from The Clash, the guitarist and drummer from The Sex Pistols, and then Ray Winstone, who's looking, you know, cute and pasty in this very British way. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, he's, and, he's the, and he's the lead singer. So I wanted to sort of set up the scene a little bit because the what the clip I'm going to have uh, Steve play for everybody, this is the first time that the three girls, the Stains, have performed. And it's funny because as you watch, you're like, what, are they ever going to leave Pennsylvania? Because <laughs> they're supposed to be going on a U.S. tour, but it always seems that they're just staying in Pennsylvania for some reason. But anyway... They're at the bar, um, it's a dingy little bar, and they're not doing well, to say the least. And then, so this clip is um, of Diane Lane as Corinne Burns, sort of being Corinne Burns.
3: You! Hello? You don't fool me for a minute, I know all about you. You came here tonight thinking you'd see some cute and wonderful rock star. And you hope maybe he'd take one look at you from up on that stage and he'd fall in love with you just like that. Then your savior could take you out of this dump of a town you live in. You could be different from all the other girls. Be yourselves. These guys laugh at you. They've
1: got such big plans for the world, but they don't include
3: us. So what does that make you? Just another girl lining up to die.
4: (laughs) So what was hard for me in picking that clip was so many of the scenes are super visual because they wind up just becoming this little punk rock trio. And when you're 12-year-old Jen watching this, it's like, I mean, it was a revelation. It was a Mind revelation. Blown. It really was. Because like Corinne Burns is, she's ballsy. She's smart. She's, um, she's ambitious. And she has all this confidence. And, and I'm like, I don't know where that comes from. But it was very inspiring as a girl. In fact, at one point, she's being interviewed by this very <laughs> weird guy with a mustache. She, he's the newscaster. And one of the things she says is, When every girl is born, I think they should be given a guitar. And like that kind of attitude just pervades the whole. Movie And she winds up like, she has this whole like amazing look that she sort of concocted. And then all these little fans, little, but they're young girls start dressing like her and start following her around. And I had to look because I'm like, this, is this imitating the Madonna wannabe trend? But this movie was made a couple years before that trend. So it's kind of interesting to watch and and see, oh, you know, this movie kind of predicted... Something that might happen.
1: It's a real female empowerment movie. I really, I really liked. I mean, the clips that you sent us to to watch this this really got my attention, and I I, I want to rent it actually and watch it because it's it's like you said, these girls they 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 start off kind of like, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? And then they kind of lead this female revolution. It was really cool.
4: Oh yeah, it is is so good. It's so good. And th- what's funny is it was never widely released. I actually watched it on Night Flight, which I. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. And if, if, you, if you watched and loved Night Flight, please write in because I mean this was this was a show on USA Network. It was on for like three hours or something. On yeah, the weekend. it was kind of
0: their their late night block.
4: Oh my god, I'm talking about midnight live. movies. Yeah,
0: Videos. yeah.
4: And with I mean, without I, I, this is so. Like this is going to sound so geeky, but Night Flight changed my life because I got exposed to things like this movie. I got exposed to Spike Lee, to uh decline of Western civilization, like, and all this like new wave music that I never would yeah. have listened to. Oh, it's an amazing show. But anyway, it didn't. It wasn't widely released. Um, it was in a bunch of film festivals, and then it turns out as I sort of dug into the you know dove down the rabbit hole of this movie that it has tons of fans, like Courtney Love and like members of bikini kill and a bunch of other riot girl groups like there's a direct line from this yeah. movie yeah. to courtney love and and that music i just love it i love it so much and it makes perfect sense when you watch the movie you're like aha <laughs> but yeah. uh but it has tons of fans i mean it's certainly a cult classic and i just want more people to see it because it's so good it's so
0: good. Jen, is it is it something i can find streaming am i going to need to track down a physical copy
4: well there's finally i had it i had a bootleg dvd for a while but it's it's a few years ago they finally um made it available so okay. yeah yeah but yeah, it's, it's, like it's great 3.99 it's
1: like, to rent off of like itunes i think oh good oh, perfect
4: It's like 87 minutes. I mean, it's really (laughs) quick. It's a brisk little film. And I just want to add one more thing, and I'll pass the baton to Steve. But um, it's so short. After you finish watching it, you got to go to YouTube and find Making of Ladies and Gentlemen, The Fabulous Stains. It's like a two part, maybe 15 minute long thing where they show um, sort of what happened because it was written by Nancy Dowd, who wrote Slapshot and won an Oscar. Yeah, and won an Oscar for writing Coming Home. Wow. Yeah, but she talks about in this little making of video that there was so much sexism on the set. She wound up taking her name off the film and leaving. Wow. Yeah. So you'll see it's like by written by Rob Morton or some other name that, huh. that isn't hers. But, um, Alan Smithy. I was just <laughs> gonna say Alan Smithy. <laughs> exactly. But yeah, check out check out the movie and check out um the making of stuff on YouTube too, because it sort of gives a little more depth to the yeah i want to check
0: it out i have a similar reaction to drew when i saw it i'm like this is interesting i've never heard of this until you started talking about it when i mean i don't know it's been six or seven months we've been trying to put the show together so i'm I'm glad you brought it to our attention
4: yeah it should be as popular as repo man that's my feeling
1: yeah i was just gonna say because i mean once i saw the the trailer and i saw some of the clips i'm like wow, well, i really want to see this and you know when she does i think it's the professionals or or what's it oh, yeah. professional yeah. or something like that Professionalizing uh, yeah. the music, I was like, "Wow, this is really great music!" And I, I so that's why I went last night. I was going to watch it last night, but we didn't have time. But that's how I found out that you could rent it for three ninety nine. I'm like, "I got to check this out."
0: Maybe I should come over and we could split it two dollars well, a
1: piece. God, it would be awesome. I'm just worried that <laughs> power is going to go out again. We had the power Sleep go over. out yesterday. <laughs> so hot here yesterday. It sucked. But uh, yeah, I can't wait to watch. And Brad, absolutely, come over. We'll watch it together.
0: I'll bring some. I'll bring some Twizzlers. Is that a no. euphemism? No. <laughs> that's no Twizzler.
4: <laughs> oh no. Please. So so when you guys have your um your screening, um you should bring your wives and your daughters because they're the ones who will make you love this movie even more. I I bet. It, it, yeah, can we?
1: Because I don't want to be watching a movie that gets weird when my daughters are in the room. That just that's just an uncomfortable time.
4: There's um there's
1: like it got really uncomfortable when we wa- when we watched heavy metal together. Yeah, oh. no, 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 no.
4: This, this, this is, I would call this a PG thirteen. Like, honey,
0: stay away from robots. Yeah, no, no. I
4: would call this a PG thirteen. There's like one little sex scene, but it's barely, and it's it's like more suggestive. I I, I just watched it yesterday again, and it's I I think it's perfectly fine for uh, for teenage girls
0: to watch okay. with their fathers.
4: Yeah, right. truly. Okay.
0: Yeah. okay.
3: Okay. Oh man. You can't stop laughing over here.
0: Okay, let me... <laughs> well, let me why don't it, you bring the room down a little then? <laughs> yeah, yeah, What's your pick <laughs> this week?
3: It's not... There's no sex in it. Well, actually, there's a little sex in it. Anyway, I'm going to give you a movie from 1980 that is a uh, semi-biographical comedy about my favorite author, Hunter S. Thompson. I give you Where the Buffalo Roam.
2: I think I better tell my readers right now that uh, I'm no longer responsible for anything that I write from this point on. Uh, uh, I've been without sleep for 80 hours, so I'm beyond simple fatigue. Uh, the hallucinations have stopped, finally, thank God. But, uh, my adrenaline reserves are burning out, and I'm staring straight into the face of a total psychotic freak out.
3: What are you doing? I'm writing. Writing?
2: Yeah, I'm, uh, my deadline pace, too. I'm pouring it on now, right on the edge. But, uh, I made a smart move checking into this place, because, uh, you know, in case I lose it, Totally, you know. I know I'll be safe in the arms of the Sisters of Mercy, huh? What are you writing? Uh, My Attorney versus American Justice. Cute title, and uh, hopefully I'll be able to finish it.
3: Okay, hands up. Who has seen Where the Buffalo Roam? Nobody, right? Nope. nope. I, I know it. of it, but I've never seen it.
4: It was on HBO a lot. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah.
3: yeah. There you go. So, um... Hunter S. Thompson. Anyone else here a fan of his work, or is it just me? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah, okay. Good. So there we have our common ground. Back in the late seventies, um, Hunter S. Thompson wrote a obituary for his lawyer slash BFF um, Oscar Acosta, and it was it was published in Rolling Stone. It was called uh, "The Banshee Screams for Buffalo Meat." It was chosen to be a film, and the making of the film is, was was a bit of a nightmare because anytime you involve Hunter S. Thompson as an executive consultant on a film, <laughs> you're just asking for trouble. But this is a, a fun, funny, sad cautionary tale, just like just like myself. <laughs> <laughs> and it stars it stars Bill Murray as Hunter S. Thompson, the famous Gonzo journalist who made his name in the, the 70s with uh, Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas, The Great Shark Hunt, uh, Fear and Loathing on the Campaign Trail in 1972. And basically, Where the Buffalo Roam is a story of his early days, and it, it blends in episodes from all of his books, especially Las Vegas and Campaign Trail. And basically, it's 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 a story of, of Bill Murray acting as Hunter Thompson walking around, taking drugs, being liquored up the entire time and writing some amazing, amazing pieces of journalism, which is what Hunter S Thompson was. That was kind of his shtick. Let me be brutally honest. Nobody liked this film when it came out. Uh, (laughs) Critics pretty much hated it. It didn't make hardly any money at the box office. The studio pulled it after a couple of weeks. Everyone kind of dismissed it as just, you know, you know, what What goes wrong when you try to write a movie about Hunter S. Thompson? Yeah. And yet, at that time in my life, I didn't know what I wanted to be. I mean, I, I, and this kind of turned me on to the idea that you could be a writer, and but you could be like a rock and roll renegade, you know, a gonzo writer. And, and I don't think I really saw my career path until I saw this movie. And then I just started, I wanted to be Hunter S. Thompson. I wanted to be Bill Murray. Yeah. This is the first movie where I saw people drinking wild turkey. Do you think that had any, any impact on my life whatsoever?
0: <laughs> hmm.
3: So I got a big Surface. bottle downstairs for later today.
0: Let yeah. me connect the dots.
3: Yeah. So it's 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 a fun movie. It's um Bill Bill Murray basically you know moved in with Honors Thompson and the two of them okay. like drank themselves silly, ch- shot off guns, throw each other into pools, tied to chairs. I mean, just you know. <laughs> Prep school stuff, shenanigans, shenanigans. <laughs> so uh, and he, so, so thorough was his like takeover of the character that when he returned to Saturday Night Live that next season after making this movie, he was still in the role of Hunter S. Thompson. He was walking around with a cigarette holder and sunglasses and carrying a drink or other. I was going to uh, ask you uh, about
0: that because I, I yeah. was like, how much did that role? How much do you think that role influenced how he approached things that he did later? I think it affected
3: right. things for several
0: years. How much Hunter S. Thompson is in Ghostbusters?
3: Uh, may, much, much of it may have been exercised by then. but <laughs> um, Still, it's, it's a fun movie to watch. It's really, you'll never see it anymore on cable or anything like that. You can find it on um, DVD. The trouble with it is, depending on what version you find, the music, the soundtrack of the movie, may or may not have been completely replaced. Really? No. And the okay. original soundtrack had um aside from Neil Young doing his acoustic rendition of Where the Buffalo Roam, which starts and ends the movie, you have uh all along the Watchtower, Highway Sixty One Revisited, uh stuff like that. You have all these classic late sixties, early seventies songs. Yeah. But when you depending on what version you bought, like I think I have like two or three versions of the of the movie some of them have just put this generic rock and roll music in and i'm telling you if you if you're unfortunate enough to watch this movie and you see one of those versions you will you will never want to watch this movie again
0: that's really odd they almost that doesn't usually happen with movies usually the Actually, movie, the music is cleared
1: it, now but a long time ago they didn't have any idea that there'd be something like vhs and home video and everything like that and it really did screw things up i mean i'm still dealing with clearances um, When we do when we do stuff for films, uh, matter of fact, if I can tell a quick story, we were doing it the Woodstock 40th anniversary. Oh, gosh. Yeah. yeah. We had so many problems. And originally, they weren't going to clear any of the music for the featurettes we were doing. And we're like, come on, it's Woodstock. You have to have the music. Yeah. And then we were it can't allowed be to use
0: Needle Drop stuff. Yeah. Yeah,
1: And we were allowed to use everything but Hendrix and Santana, were the two that we were, finally could never get clearance for. God but sakes. yeah, we're always dealing with that stuff. Yeah. So I mean, yeah, the, the,
0: the, the classic example I always think of is WKRP in Cincinnati. Everybody wanted to see that on DVD. And they're like, we just we, we can't get the music done. I think they finally did, but.
1: Yeah, a lot of times they do. I mean, also, um, The Wonder Years had that same issue.
0: Yeah, I'm sure. In all the
1: music.
3: Yeah. So anyway, it's it's a great movie. There's If you're familiar with Hunter S. Thompson's real-life appearances on David and stuff, you'll you'll recognize the character. You'll recognize the same irreverence for life that he had. But it's worth seeing. It's definitely one of those movies that... Uh, there was probably a time in my life when if somebody had asked me what my favorite 80s movie was, I would have said Where the Buffalo Roam. Did you ever see Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas with uh, oh, Johnny yeah. Depp?
1: Now, yeah. who do you think portrayed him better? Do you think it was Depp or Murray?
3: Ah, oh, God, it's really kind of a combination of the two. Yeah, maybe Depp, maybe a little bit. The trouble is, I saw him first. I, I saw Hunter S. Thompson first as Bill Murray, so to yeah, me, okay. Bill Murray is always Hunter S. Thompson. Gotcha. You know, but
4: um, like Roger movie. Moore is
1: always my my James Bond. Right. right. Exactly. Yeah. For it's better or for worse.
4: <laughs>
3: <laughs> yeah, that's my guy. I'm stuck with him. <laughs> You know you know what else we're stuck with for this show? The Seggies. Ah, by the time of the tone, it must be time for Listener Mailbag. We've changed the name. We'll, we'll see if anybody what? notices.
4: <laughs> I think yeah, since you mentioned it, they might notice. You're killing
3: yeah. me. I don't know. Sometimes I think our fans fast forward to the Seggies, but we'll find out this week. Uh, we got a letter this week from Michelle. In uh, Springfield, Missouri, so we're going to let Jen read it.
4: Love to. Hi, Stephen B. Rad. So, your podcast this week hit home with me in a couple of ways. I just went to see Asia and Journey in concert Monday night. With the passing of John Wetton, Asia added Billy Sherwood, previously with Yes, as the lead singer. The band itself sounded great, but Sherwood's timing was just a little different and a touch slower than Wetton's, which bugged me the whole way through. The most entertaining portion of Asia's show was their rendition of Video Killed the Radio Star. I have to admit that none of us knew that the keyboardist, Jeff Downs, was an original member of the Buggles. What? Me, I what? know. One to grow on. Look at that. Hmm. Um, She continues, I've seen Journey before, but not since Arnell Pineda came on board. I have to say, I loved it. I'm a huge fan, even in the years since Steve Perry left. Pineda has endless energy, which kept the crowd on their feet. And seeing Journey is timely to the podcast as well, because it reminds me of my favorite misheard lyric. Oh, boy. In high school, one of our friends thought love and touch and squeeze and started out with, you make me wheeze and want to die. I wasn't <laughs> going to sing it, guys. Love <laughs> and
0: to touch s- and squeeze and asthmatics.
4: Yeah. I'm not singing it, so everyone else, sing it now. You make me wheeze and want to die. Uh, she says, which I find even funnier because I spend my days seeing patients with asthma. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Forever stuck in the 80s with my inhaler, Michelle in Springfield. <laughs> <laughs> That's great.
3: What are the real words? You make me want to weep, right? You make me want to weep. I don't know. There you go. Don't no, make me sing anymore. <laughs> um, as always, we love your letters. Just send them to podcast at sit80s.com. We'll be right back after this commercial break.
2: Are you drinking America's best brewed premium beer? Once, all quality beers were brewed with
1: only the purest water and an expensive old-world way of brewing called croisoning. But
2: today. Only one major premium beer is still brewed this way. Only one. Not Miller, not Stroh's, not Coors, not even Budweiser. Only
1: Heileman's old style beer is still brewed with pure artesian spring water and fully croisoned.
2: Old style. America's best brewed premium beer.
3: We have a few minutes left. I thought um, we haven't done this in a while. Uh, and I'm not it's not gonna be what's your 80s obsession, but it is gonna be something close. It's gonna be Please please tell me now. Please please tell me now. Please please tell me now. So this week we got a question from Garrett in Houston who wants to know: when did you guys switch from albums to cassettes to CDs? And do you remember any monumental first new format purchase? Whoa. Um, I mentioned the whole wild turkey thing, didn't I, Garrett? <laughs> Some of these are not. <laughs> Some of these things have been overwritten. <laughs> I recall as before. Um, give it a shot. Let's see. Uh, my first tape, uh, coincidentally, uh, Asia, the debut album, and I remember. Really? Yeah, yeah. I wore that thing to death. I bought it in Columbus, Ohio, when I was up visiting my grandmother. Nice. That's, that's how much I remember of that purchase. And then my yeah. Jen, what was your first tape?
4: I try uh, my first tape that someone gave to me, and I couldn't remember which one. It was Devo, but that so but I couldn't remember uh, which one. So I thought, and you're
0: do. you're pandering to me, and <laughs> it's fantastic.
4: Okay, good. Yeah, no, that's a true story. I did have a Devo. That was my first tape. The one I first purchased intentionally, though, was uh, Seven and the Ragged Tiger by Duran, Duran
3: Cool. Yeah. Nice, Drew. What was your first tape? I
1: honestly don't remember, but because uh, I ended up having those. So many tapes where you have that that big rack that would hold a hundred of them, mm-hmm. you know and, yeah. and I had three of those, and <laughs> i I don't remember what my first tape was. I'm sorry, I just it, it's lost to the mists of time.
0: <laughs> okay, Brad, your turn then. What was your first tape? So my first tape was uh, the Cars Shake It Up." I bought it at the local T G and y. Um, uh, would have been, yeah, it would have been probably 81 or so. And I just played the hell out of that cassette. Um, uh, and then that was followed by, you know, what was it? Um, get 16 tapes for a penny.
2: You
0: know, lots of, uh, lots of Columbia house record club tapes would follow because, you know, again, living out in the sticks, I that. There wasn't a record store in town. I could buy music at Walmart or at teaching and And they didn't really have a lot of depth and selection, so I had to kind of rely on mail
3: order to get my cassettes. Does, does anyone here still own either cassettes or CDs that they would have acquired through the Columbia Record House? I got yep. rid of all that stuff. I have oh, I CDs. I still have
0: nothing from Columbia House. I mean, I still have CDs. I still have some mixtapes, but I honestly, I'm not sure why I have them because I don't really have a way to play them.
3: Yeah, I, I bet I at least have... 40 or 50 CDs that from Columbia House. Okay, so speaking of CDs, first CD, uh, Peter Gabriel So for me. Nice.
4: I can't even remember mine. I, I, I do also have a bunch of Columbia House CDs. Whatever was um, before I had to start paying for them, that's how many <laughs> <laughs> of those that I have. Um, and I just feel like one day I had a bunch of CDs, but I can't remember what the first one was.
3: Drew, what was your first CD?
1: My first one was Duran Duran's "Real" because of the song "Save a Prayer." A buddy of mine played it on headphones for me off his CD player, and I was so like amazed by that and the way it starts. Yeah. I'm like, I got to buy a, a CD player, and this is the CD I have to buy. So I went out and I, and I bought it. Wow! It was, uh, but I, and I also oddly enough remember the last CD I bought, which was a Depeche Mode greatest hits CD, because of one of the rhino records or somebody near where i was working they were selling them for like a penny each so i was like <laughs> oh, i'll get like, it and i'll rip it and burn it and yeah so uh that's my first and my
3: last
0: wow nice
3: brad what was your first my CD?
0: first cd was uh, english beat what is beat which is like a collection uh greatest hits collection i bought it when i was working at federated uh, I had just gotten a CD player. Or, no, I'm sorry. My dad had just gotten a CD player, so there was one in the house, and I'm like, oh, "I need some of my music to listen to." So it's not all fricking Mahler symphonies, and uh, that was what caught my eye. I still have it.
3: A lot of pain there, Brad. A lot of pain. Did you guys have Federateds out? No, no
0: that was, it was a West Coast chain. It was
3: because
1: you say Federated, and I hear the Federated, Federated, federated in my head.
0: I'm Federated with Federated. <laughs> Shadow Stevens, was the, Shadow Stevens was the spokesman yeah. for that. It was, like, it was like the Crazy Eddie model. You know? I'm Fred-rated. Come on down to
3: Fred-rated. <laughs> so anyway, that's all we have time for this week. If you have a favorite cult classic or a midnight movie memory, uh, email us at podcast at sit80s.com. We're going to try to do a next uh, another part two installment of the show. If you like what you hear, don't forget to leave us a nice review at iTunes. But in the meantime, Brad, myself, uh, Drew with one W, and Just Jen will be here Hopelessly stuck in the 80s.
0: Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Media Network. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or the CLNS Media mobile app.
4: Is that enough of a pause?
0: Oh, we can make it as long as we need to. With the magic of post production.